Bibles as well. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the help against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brothers, seek out from among yourselves seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. See those words in verse 2? The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. You know, this is the only place in the New Testament where you see a specific a specific task ascribed to a deacon. <laughs> um, you have the qualifications given in 1 Timothy 3, but the specific task, serving tables. So that's what we'd like to look at this morning. What is a deacon? And what is the task of a deacon? Well, brothers and sisters, congregation in Christ, you know, some years ago we installed the first men, our first men to serve as elders. Tyaji, who is not here right now, and brother Padre Peter Nathaniel, and also Henry Bonvenny. But as we know that Henry Bonvenny, Henry Bonvenny three years ago, I think it is now, has passed on to glory. He's now with Jesus in heaven. And uh, we may sorely miss him, but at the same time, the Lord continues to gather his people, and he continues to bring leaders into the congregation, for which we may be ever so thankful to him. But today we install a man to serve, not as an elder, but as a deacon in the congregation. And this is a first. This is a new thing for us. In the churches of the New Testament, every New Testament church had the congregation, the members, and with it, elders, and deacons. And so now we've come to the point, we've come to the stage with the Lord's grace that we may appoint a new deacon today. And we've never had one yet. So what is a deacon? What is a deacon? And second, what is the task of a deacon? What does a deacon do? I think that's the title of our sermon. What does a deacon do? So what is a deacon, and what does a deacon do? We should know that, because if we have one serving among us as a deacon, we should know what's going on and what his function is, and how we relate to him as a congregation. But before we turn specifically to verse 2, 
Before we turn specifically to verse two, welcome. I think we have some extra room for you, no problem. <laughs> so. Sorry, I have to sit way in the front here. Should move this back a bit. Okay. But it'd be good to see just the bigger picture of Acts 6, 1 through 7. We're focusing on uh, the foundation or where the office of deacon comes from. And so we're turning to Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. But we should look at the bigger picture first before we look specifically at verse 2. You notice three things in verses Acts 6, 1 through 7. That's not our three points, but I just want to bring out the bigger picture here. Because if you look at verses 1 and 2 of Acts chapter 6, this is the church of the Pentecost. It's growing. The Holy Spirit is convicting many, many people uh, of their sin and leading them to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And over time, it becomes really clear that there's a need for deacons. There's a need for deacons in this young, growing church in Jerusalem. You notice here in verses 1 and 2, the joy and the unity of the fellowship of believers is being threatened because the poor, the widows in the congregation, were being neglected. They were being overlooked. There was just too much for the Elders, or you could say there's just too much for the apostles to do. They had a lot to carry. And then you see in verses 3 through 6, you see the Lord's provision of deacons in the church. Seven men. Who were these men to be? Seven men of good reputation, full of wisdom, and the Holy Spirit. They were given the responsibility to have charge over this business. It's an interesting word there, over this business, this business of looking after the poor to serve. And in verse 7, you see the glorious result of having deacons. What happens? The apostles can continue preaching the word, having been relieved of the responsibility of serving tables. And you see the church growing. The word of God grows, verse 7. That's, that's where it ends this uh, passage. But our focus is verse 2. And the apostles' words here uh, basically lays the foundation or gives a reason for why we have deacons in the church today, in the New Testament church throughout the world. It's not desirable, said the apostles, that we should leave behind the word of God, forget about the word of God, just so that we can continue to look after the poor. Or here it says, and serve tables. So in light of our theme, what do deacons do? Or the call to serve as deacons. We answer two questions then. What is a deacon? What is the task of a deacon? Deacon. What is a deacon? And deacon, reason why we have the word deacon is because the original Greek Sounds like it. Diakonos. And that's where we have the word deacon. And it literally means servant. I like what the, I think maybe the Hindi Bible does too, but the Punjabi Bible talks about elders as atmak rakya, soul keepers. <laughs> Beautiful word, soul keepers. And then deacons as sewadara, as servants. I think that's in Philippians 1 verse 1. Uh, in our Bibles it has 
overseers or elders and deacons. But a deacon literally means one who is a servant. Or I think in one translation of the Bible, it talks about a deacon being a waiter of tables. I think many of us, most of us have been to a restaurant before. Right? And who's in the restaurant? A waiter. As a matter of fact, you talk to Chris. He used to be a waiter at a restaurant. Mr. Van Dyken used to be a waiter at Swiss Chalet. And what did he do as a waiter? Well, he would go to the table and he would say, how can I help you? Is there something that you would like from the menu? And he would bring the plates to the table. And a little bit later, he would say, would you like a cup of water? So he would serve water. And over time, is there anything else that you want? Anything else that you need? You know all the questions. I don't. But eventually, you know, you take the plate away from the table. And then you would uh, thank them that you could serve them. It was a wonderful time. But, you know, there's a difference here. Because at the table, you probably got tipped. But here, you won't get tips as a deacon. But neither should you. Right? This is a service position. And there's no payment for it. And it shouldn't be. Right? It's a way, it's an ability to serve the Lord and to encourage the congregation so that together we may continue to grow and be built up as a body, a servant, a waiter of tables. Okay, so that's that's the sense here, a waiter or one who serves tables. So for that reason, you see there's a there's a distinction between elders and deacons. If you look at Acts 6, 1 through 7. You, you read the distinction right over there. In verse 4, it talks about the elders or the apostles who were given to the ministry of the word. If you look at verse 4, ministry of the word. But in verse 2, the deacon, it doesn't use the word deacon there, but they were given over to the ministry of tables. So ministry of word and prayer and ministry of tables. I think we can put it very plainly like this. You could say elders are like the mouth of Jesus. The mouth of Jesus. Deacons are like the hands. The hands of Jesus. Of course, all of us as members, okay, are to have Jesus inside of us, right? Uh, speaking the words of Jesus and showing the love of Jesus. But there's a certain sense, too, where in the congregation that is encouraged through the elders and through the deacons. So the mouth of Jesus and the hands of Jesus. A deacon is one, you could say, who helps the needy. He's one who helps the needy. You know, the word deacon is not used in Acts 6, but the beginnings of this office in the New Testament church is given here. So it shouldn't surprise us that when you go to Philippians 1, verse 1, if you go to Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul doesn't explain who deacons are because they know already from Acts chapter 6. It begins by saying, Paul begins by saying, to all the saints of the church of Philippi, and then he says, together with the elders and the deacons. Okay, that's how he begins the book there, the epistle there to the church of of, uh, of, of Philippi. There's one other place where you hear the mention of 
elders and deacons together. I don't think there's any other mention in the New Testament of deacons. And that is in 1 Timothy 3. There you see first in 1 Timothy 3, the mention of elders and deacons together. And you'll notice if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you just look there for a minute, and this is it starts in a very uh, good way. It says, if a man desires the position of elder, he desires a good work. You know, if any of you men desire that position, if any of you, I think there's an alarm. Okay. 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 If any of you desires a position, okay, who would love to be an elder, it's a good work to have. It doesn't mean it's easy because it means denying self because that's also serving Christ by being the keeper of souls, by, by, by watching over the souls of the members. So it's a good thing to desire it. So it's, it's an encouragement to, to the men of the congregation, to the members, to think about that. But in the meantime, you notice that all the qualifications are given for an elder and no one can be perfect in those qualifications. I think we have to be, those. something of those qualifications should be in the life of the leader. And you notice those same, much of the many, or many of the same qualifications are also given in deacons in verses 8 through 13. So 1 through 7, qualifications of elders. In 8 through 13, you see a list of qualifications for deacons. How many? About 12 of them. 12 qualifications. We won't go through them right now. But basically... These qualifications of deacons in 1 Timothy 3 expand on the qualification that you see in Acts chapter 6. What did the Apostle Paul say? Or sorry, the Apostle say, Choose men among yourselves of good reputation, of a good reputation in the fellowship and outside of the fellowship, uh, men of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And that's basically expanded on in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So what led, what led to the formation of the office of deacon in the church? It's the Lord. It was the Lord at work. It's the Lord who is the shepherd of his church. And he used a certain crisis in the church of that time to establish this office of deacon. What happened? Well, in the congregation, there were two languages, two different languages. They were all Jews or most were Jews, but you had Greek-speaking Jews, believers, and you had Hebrew-speaking Jews, also believers. Well, the church was growing beyond Jerusalem, also in foreign lands where there were Jews, and many of them were becoming believers. And what happened over time is that the Greek-speaking, so the Greek-speaking Jews, the believers, the widows among them, they were being overlooked. They were being neglected. And that was not intentional. It was not intentional at all. Sometimes it happens among us too, where there's a need, but we're, we're not aware of it. We don't see it. And in this case, what happened? The widows started complaining. The widows, who were Greek-speaking Jewish believers, they started complaining. They started murmuring against the Hebrew believers, because they were not being looked after as they should have been. Now, 
Understand, with widows, too, widows don't have husbands who can earn a living, right? So right away, there's an immediate need. Often there is. Uh, they don't have husbands to earn a living, to earn money for them. And maybe some of the widows, perhaps some of them, had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they believed on Jesus, maybe they were thrown out of the synagogue, right? Cast out of the synagogue because of their faith in Jesus. And so maybe their family wasn't looking after them anymore. And maybe the synagogue, of course, the synagogue then wouldn't be looking after them anymore either. And so who would look after them? So all kinds of situations that the church was encountering then. And at that time, the apostles, they were in charge of everything. The word, prayer, and also the care of the needy. If you look in Acts chapter 4, you notice that there were members in the congregation. They were selling their possessions and bringing the offerings to whom? To the apostles. They were in charge of everything. Everything that you could think of. And the apostles had a lot on their plate. Okay, they also had to take all the monies, and they were the ones who were also distributing the, the monies to the poor. So there was a lot that they had to, to look after. And for practical reasons, it was impossible for them to continue to carry that big, big load. And that's why there was neglect in the congregation. And that's why the apostles called the church together saying, you know what, it's not good. If we forget about the word of God, we forget about praying just so that we can get continually um, help the needy, things are going to suffer. The danger was that they were looking after so many physical needs, the preaching and the teaching of the word was suffering. So the key reason for choosing men, seven men to serve tables, was to protect the joy to protect the unity of the fellowship of believers. And the apostles here, you notice, they know that the vulnerable, in every congregation there are those who are vulnerable, who are poor. They should feel that they're not anything or anyone less than anyone else in the congregation because they are all blood-bought. They've been all bought by the blood of Jesus. And they're all equally members of the congregation together. So all should be feeling a, a, the secure love of Christ. And that should be uh, seen by the love of the members. And so they chose, uh, chose men suitable, suitable men to serve in the care of the needy. In that way, you see in verse 4, the apostles could now give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the church was richly blessed by it. You see that in verse 7. The word of God continued to spread. So that's a deacon. A deacon? A servant. A waiter on tables. Uh, was his task? To serve. If a deacon is a servant, then his task is, is to serve. To look after the needy. To provide for the needs of the members in the congregation. And we should be really clear about one thing. The deacon, the task in the church, their task in the church is not more important than an elder. 
is not less important than an elder. A deacon is not a stepping stone to an elder. That's nowhere in the Bible. That's right. Okay, a deacon is not a servant of the elder, but both, both elders and deacons are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we see here, too, in Acts chapter 6. In the case of deacons, Christ in heaven, Jesus is in heaven, and he continues his work on earth in the church also through deacons. Christ exercises, you could say Christ exercises his care, his love for the needy through the deacons of the congregation. According to Ephesians 4, verse 12, like elders, like pastors, deacons are, you could say, the gift of Jesus. They're Jesus' gift to the congregation in order to serve the body of believers. A deacon sees to it that the physical, material needs are met in the congregation, in the family of Christ, first of all. Right? First of all, to the household of faith, but then also doing good to all men, as Galatians 6, verse 10 says. What does a deacon do? Well, you'll notice that a deacon, he will gather offerings on Sundays. That's one of the things he does. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we plan to have an offering for a very important cause. It's for a seminary, a needy seminary in Ukraine. Students who have very little. So next Sunday, we have an offering for the, uh, the cause of a seminary, a training place for pastors in the country of the Ukraine. So he gathers offerings on Sundays. He also makes sure every member... Uh, it has the means to provide for their daily living, for himself, herself, for the family, that there's adequate food on the table and clothes and so forth. But helping the needy is more than that. There's way more than that. It includes the lonely. There are lonely people in congregations. They need to be encouraged. People get sick in the congregation. Sometimes very sick, sometimes long-term illness. And deacons are there also involved with that, ministering to the sick. Those with disabilities, that's the real life, the real world. Also in the congregation, people, certain members have physical disabilities. Others feel marginalized, kind of outside of the circle, maybe, outside the congregation. People suffer loss, loss of loved ones. People sometimes are unemployed. All these ways that a deacon is there to serve, to help, to encourage, to comfort. Yeah, also with the word of God, but with the hands. In these practical ways, the deacon also ministers the word of God, not wanting to see the joy of the congregation threatened in any way, nor the unity I just I think it's wonderful to see uh, how the Lord is gathering a congregation here from all different backgrounds and languages. And we don't want to ever see that unity threatened in any way and that joy threatened in any way. But we should keep in mind two things, two things um, as a congregation with respect to the role of the new deacon that will be installed today, Lord willing, of course. And the first thing is, yeah, we see here in 
Acts chapter 6, complaining was also a part of the congregation then. And of course, the Bible calls us to be in guard against that. But always remember, always remember, sometimes, sometimes members need to make their needs known. We should not be shy. If there's a need, if there's a physical need, if there's a, a depression, or if there's a, 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 an intense loneliness, certainly you call upon the elders, but there's certain aspects where the deacon can come in and provide needs physically as well. These are legitimate needs. Say something, whatever, say something. The church is a body where, where the love of Christ is to be shared among one another. Feel free to share your need all the time. Your burden with a deacon. It may be a financial need. Make it known. Don't hide it. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not complaining. If it's legitimate, it's not complaining. It needs to be made known. It may be another need. It may be a need for a ride to a doctor. Make it known to the deacon. Right? Make it known. Every member has a place in the body of Christ. And every member needs to have that that sense of the security that he or she has in Christ. That's number one. Number two, this does not mean that the deacon does everything himself. Because if the deacon has everything, does everything himself, he, in this case, he can't be principal anymore. So then he has to quit his job. And he probably has to quit his family. Because it would be a huge burden for him. So, the deacon is not meant to replace the work of the congregation. In a certain sense, you could say you have the deacon, but the deacon is also training us or helping us also to be deacons, if you want to put it that way, in the congregation. It's a, it's, it's a, a position where you could say it's like a coordinating position. It's a, it's a managing kind of office in the congregation. Yeah, the Lord Jesus did not give the church deacon the church deacons in order to replace members from serving one another. He provides deacons to enhance, encourage, find ways to equip the members to serve one another so that the body can even work better together. It's a, it's a way to, to encourage and strengthen the body. If you think of uh, Ephesians 4 verse 12, Christ also gives deacons for what purpose? For the equipping of the saints... Equipping them to do what? For works of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What an important verse. Equipping other saints to do what? For the works of ministry, and the goal is for the edification of the body. There's a saying, I trust it's not here, but there's a saying that sometimes in congregations, 80% of the people, sorry, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Okay? And a deacon will take note of those kinds of things and say, well, okay, how can we share more in the work together in terms of serving one another? So yeah, a deacon is, is like a, a coordinator, a manager, you could say, of the resources in the congregation. What are the resources that God has given to us as believers here? He's given us a lot. Of course, we can talk about finances. Uh, those are gifts from the Lord, but also our talents. We have some great talents here. Um, gifts, 
gifts of the Spirit. Every member, according to 1 Corinthians 12, has a gift of the Spirit. Not one is without. And maybe a deacon's task is to say, you know what, I think you have that gift. Oh, I didn't know I had that gift. Well, a deacon can encourage that gift and say, you know, you could use it in this way. So that's what the Spirit gives gifts to the congregation for, so that they can be used and utilized in the ministry and in the service of one another as believers. Um, it can be a skill. Maybe you'll get a knock on your door from your deacon, and he may ask you, would you be willing to organize a grocery shower for so-and-so? Oh, we've never done that before. It's a thought. Or would you be willing to look into this and this? I, I don't know what it could be. But would you be, look, be willing to help us out by looking, searching on Google and, and trying to find some, some uh, ways of looking after a certain matter, whatever that is? Or would you be willing to give a ride to so-and-so? Or this person needs an appointment, or this person has an appointment with a doctor, would you be willing to provide a ride this time? It doesn't have to be the same person. It can be different members. You know, sometimes it can be very discouraging if a member says, no, I don't want to. That can be really discouraging. No, ask somebody else because I don't feel like it. Of course, there are times when we can't. That's another, that's another thing. But it's really, really important that we work together so that the, the task of the deacon is a happy one, is a joyous one. Really, really, really important. You know, as members, this is so beautiful. If you look at Lord's Day 12, the Heidelberg Catechism, as members, all of us as believers share in Christ's anointing. And because we share in Christ's anointing, we can we have the the the, the strength, we have his power to live our lives sacrificially before one another, uh, serving one another. It's really a, a work of the spirit in our lives, isn't it? Deacons want to use the gifts, the talents, the skills of the congregation to the full in service to one another for the building of the body. Think of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. We read there that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Okay, The gifts are given to each one for the profit of all. That's verse 7. Notice the phrase, for the profit of all. That's why he gives it. Showing the mercy of Christ is not only the duty of the deacon, it's the calling of every believer. A deacon shows mercy because he's a believer, like every other believer. But the role or the task of deacon is, you could say, to be the manager, manager of this mercy, and managers of the talents and the gifts within the body. The deacons in Acts 7, no doubt, they didn't do all the work themselves, but they would have delegated that task to others in the congregation to make sure that all the needs were taken care of. And I think we may rightfully assume that they did not personally do the distributing themselves, but they served in a coordinating, helping, overseeing role to make sure that everyone's needs were being met. Sometimes we're not aware of another person's needs, but a deacon seeks that out and makes that need known.
In conclusion, brother, Christ has called you, but you may go forward in faith, in the strength of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit always equips those whom he calls. That's a, that's a real encouragement for any office bearer. The Holy Spirit always equips those for whom he calls. You won't be perfect. None of us are. We'll make a lot of mistakes. But the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit uses this work for the building up of the body. And congregation is so, so important that we uphold our deacon in prayer, encourage him, support him. We have one deacon. One deacon. And I think of those words of Hebrews 13, verse 17. It's applied to elders, but I think you can apply it to deacons as well. Let him serve with joy, not with sadness, for that would be unprofitable to you. Christ has given us a gift, the gift of a deacon. All praise be to him, to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing together 410, Christian Hearts. I think it's called Christian Hearts and Love United. 410 stands as one and two. Thank <laughs> you.